You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. I want to say thanks to these amazing guys who come early and practice and prepare to lead us in worship. Amazing to experience God's presence together. Well, welcome to church. Um, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Who's heard, and be absolutely honest, absolutely okay if you haven't, who's heard a message about fasting in church? Okay, one, two, three, a few. Yeah, okay, that's good. So who hasn't heard a message on fasting? At all. So most people have, that's good. I mean, let me go straight forward because I'm going to share on the benefits through prayer and fasting. The benefits of prayer and fasting. Now, nobody likes to hear a message on fasting because your flesh doesn't want to, doesn't like it. No one enjoys fasting, okay? I don't, I don't go out of my, I love fasting. My, my, my flesh, my body doesn't like fasting, but I like the benefits that it brings. So our focus and our mindset has to be on the benefits that happen when we pray and fast. So I want to use the phrase pray and fast because fasting without prayer is just starving yourself. So we're not just, we're not, it's, you know, please understand it's not a work mentality at all. I'm going to go through a number of things. I don't know if I'll cover all of them. There's 15 points. If I take a few minutes on each one, I might be able to get to most of them. But you will see that the same principle, the same process that happens in your body, in your spirit, it's, it's, that's what causes the, all the benefits. So fasting, there's no power in fasting because you're not going to twist God to do something He already wants to do. You don't have to work for it. So it's not about working for it and because I starved myself or because I um, paid a price and I didn't eat for so many days, um, oh, now God's going to hear me. No, you're not going to get God's ear that way. What fasting does do, because you've got to see, Jesus has done everything, right? The price has been completely purchased on the cross. The heavens are open over your life, okay? You are already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You, you have everything. All is yours, you're an heir of God. You're, you're a joint heir with Christ. So think about it. You're an heir of God. What God has, you're going to inherit. Right? This is the reality of who we are in Christ. That has already happened. That's a, that's a legal redemption. It has taken place because God sent His Son and Jesus paid the full price, the perfect redemption. We can't add to it for our fasting and prayer or our works. Does that make sense? So please get it out of your mind. Realize fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes me. Fasting and prayer changes my heart. So it's a powerful tool. Jesus did say, I'll show you from the Word of God, Matthew 6 verse 16, Whenever you fast, do not put on gloomy face, as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. What, what's their reward? They want to be noticed by men, and they've got their reward. They're doing it for people. They're doing it to get attention. They're, they're do, doing it for people. Go, oh, wow, look how spiritual they are. You do it for that reason, that's going to be your reward. And Jesus says, you got your reward. But what I want to take out of this is Jesus says, whenever you fast. And, and the King James says, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. So really, it's a responsibility for all of us. In the same way that you and I pray and spend time with God and worship Him and, spend, and, 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 and connect with God and commune with God, prayer, I mean, fasting is a powerful weapon. See it as a weapon because even the enemy uses it. 
Even the occults use it. They, they can't come up with their own stuff. They've got to counterfeit what's real and what God has given us. But when you fast, when you, and now, now please let me state this about fasting. You can do it any level that you want to do it. Any degree that you want to do it. You might start with one meal, for example. Um, we, in January, try to encourage the church to do a, a 21-day Daniel fast. That's pretty much vegetables and fruit. And, and again, you can add what you, know, what you feel. You might say, our oh, pastor's a, a wheat, so it's not meat. And it's not a choice food, so you might, you might be able to add that if you want to before the Lord. Like, but a 21-day vegetable um, and fruit fast, you'll be surprised how, how much that helps you draw close to God. But the power in that fasting is this. In that 21 days, you might say to yourself, there's also a realm of fasting, I won't watch TV. I won't go on social media. I'll turn off my phone. Whatever you might say, you might say these things to the Lord. And you're, so what's happening, you're getting rid of distractions. And in this 21-day period, I'm going to seek God. Okay, so the point is to draw close to Him. All right? And when you fast, this is what, basically this is what happens. When you don't eat, so again, whatever, whatever level you want to choose, you might start with a one-day fast. The first time I ever fasted, uh, you know, because I got saved at 19 and they told me about fasting and the Bible's, in the, you know, about fasting and Jesus spoke about fasting. I started, someone told me, why don't you just do morning and lunch? So I, I didn't eat breakfast. I didn't, do, didn't eat lunch and I ate at six o'clock. But man, was I starving. I'm walking down the street in Burwood, every single thing on the shops and you're looking at it. It was only at six o'clock at night and I couldn't, I was seeing food everywhere. But it was a big deal for me. So I did that a number of times. Once a week, maybe once every few weeks, I did it. Then eventually, I thought I'm going to do a whole day, and that was hard at first. But I did a whole day, and then you can do again as the Holy Spirit leads you. But there's a, there's a, there's ways of doing it. Um, for example, if you're going to go on a longer fast, anything more than three days. See, three days is the hardest time to fast. Three to five days is the hardest time because all your toxins toxins in your body are coming out. So if you dive into a fast and say I'm going to do five days, that's the hardest time. So when you get after five days, it gets easier, believe it or not, because the toxins go out, your bad breath will stop, your headache will go. But if you want to wean yourself off sugar, soft drinks and coffee, mainly coffee, caffeine will give you a massive headache if you just drop caffeine and go into a fast. If you wonder why you've got a massive headache and it's pounding, sometimes your head is so hurting you can't even get close to God. You know, you can't even read. You're just like, my, my head's pounding, my head's pounding. Obviously, drink lots of water. But if you, what I do is don't drink coffee for about five days or seven days before my fast. And get off the coffee, wean off it, and I don't get a headache in the fast. So little things can help you. But some of the things that happens, I've got 15 things, but let's dive into it. Um, it renews spiritual vision. So your fasting and prayer renews your spiritual vision, first of all, of the Lord. It, 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 it gives you a fresh vision of Jesus. Why? Because you're choosing to not eat. When you don't eat, your flesh gets weaker. I can't say it any other way, but the, the voice of your flesh gets weaker and weaker and weaker, dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, as lo- depending on how long you fast. So the desires of your flesh will quieten down. But, you're, but at the same time, you're spending time with God. You're in the Word. You're praying. You're worshiping. Obviously, the greatest fast is when you're able to, say, um, get rid of the distractions. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's no use fasting and you're going to go sit in front of the TV all day long. So get rid of distractions so that you can get in the Word. The point of fasting is to weaken the flesh 
so that you feed the Spirit, so you're strengthening the Spirit through the Word, meditation, revelation, through worship, through praying in tongues, through spending time with God, and do whatever works for you. You know what that means? Just get, get, get a, a worship um, thing on your phone or something. Get some headphones. Go for a walk. If that's what you like, go for a walk. If what you like is in, in your lounge room in, by yourself, whatever works for you, do something that you can connect with God. So it's time to connect with God. But you're, 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 when you don't eat, think about it. The most beautiful pleasures and the greatest joy is glorious food. You don't know how much you love food until you stop eating food. Now, I've been on a long fast. And if you don't eat for a few weeks, you'll realize you dream about food. I'm serious. You go to sleep and you're just dreaming. Oh, no, I broke my fast. It's like in my dream, I ate because I'm dreaming food all the time. Because it's such a deep desire in your flesh it's a beautiful gift it's a precious gift and it actually makes you appreciate food and when I'm on a fast I go Lord I can remember when I'm able to eat I'm gonna eat slow I'm gonna eat and eat and enjoy every moment you know and I gotta learn to keep that up when I'm eating because you just eat quick and you forget and you know enjoy the, the, the this is a gift God has given us a gift with food okay um so what happens you are weakening your flesh. You're getting rid of media, Netflix, TV, gaming, social media. Focus on all your attention on His Word. When you stop eating, for example, depending on how long you go for a fast and if you're able to, you don't have to prepare food. You save time in that. You save time in going to the shops because you don't have to go to the shops. You, you, you save time in eating because that takes a while to eat. And then it saves time in, in cleaning. Like you'd be surprised how much time you have all of a sudden to spend time with God, right? So, so, again, please look at what you will get out of it. No one likes to fast, but it, there's power behind fasting. It, it's a weapon. We have a weapon at our disposals, and some of us don't ever use it, you know? Um, so, when you do this, you will obviously cut off the things of this world, and you'll start to spend time with God, You'll be in His Word. You, you saturate the Word day in, day out. You're in prayer. You're in worship. You're praying in the Spirit. You know, you're, you're building your spirit up. And if you're on a long fast, you don't realize how much your spirit is getting energized and fed and your flesh is getting weaker, the voice of your flesh, let's say the desires of your flesh. Remember what Jesus says. The spirit is willing, talking about prayer. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Why is the flesh weak? It's weak in the area of it doesn't want to pray. It's weak in the area your flesh doesn't want to see God. So when you don't eat, your flesh, the voice of that flesh gets weaker, uh, softer. So it's actually not strong against the Spirit. Does that make sense? Because Galatians 5, Paul explains the things of the flesh. And he goes, we know that the flesh desires and lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit lusts and desires against the flesh, so that you don't do the things you want to do. So your flesh desires things against your spirit. That's why it's weak. And Jesus says your, your, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So when you fast, you are weak. You're actually closing down the, the, its ability to influence you. That's why it's powerful. And so what, what stirs up in your heart when you're in the Word, because you're in the Word, you remember, you know, the Bible says in Psalms 919, the entrance of your Word brings light, doesn't it? It's a lamp unto my feet, a light to my pathway. So when you're dedicating, focusing, 
giving all your attention and focusing, get rid of all the distraction, focusing on the Word. The entrance of the Word is bringing light into my spirit. So if light's coming in, what's happening? Darkness is being exposed. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness. Sometimes there's stuff in there you don't even realize you're holding. And that, that comes to the surface. And so you end up starting to repent. You catch yourself repenting. You catch yourself, God, I didn't know that was in my heart. Sorry for that, Lord. And you, and you deal with these things. Why? Because you're seeing Him in His beauty. You start to see Him, his, how beautiful He is. <clears throat> so your vision of Him gets better. Because the more you're in the Word, the more you see Him. And so you've, you, you, you've, you see Jesus in His beauty. I'll never forget when I, when I was reading about the sun going, turning into darkness and the moon doesn't shed its light. And I kept reading and reading and meditating from all the different, there's a lot of different uh, prophets that spoke about it, you know. Isaiah spoke about it, um, uh, other prophets, I mean, Daniel spoke about it, Matthew, Jesus spoke about it, Matthew, book of Revelations, it says it. There's a lot of scriptures throughout the whole Bible that talks about the sun turning into darkness. And when I look it up and it, it says, the sun will turn into darkness when the great, wonderful, terrible day of the Lord comes. It turns to darkness because of the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord's face. When He comes to this earth, the sun won't even shine. It'll be there, but the glory of Jesus' face outshines the sun. And so I start thinking of, Lord, well, that glory is all about your beauty. It's all about His goodness. You know, you know Jesus, remember God revealed His glory to Moses and He says, I'll pass by you and my goodness will come. He referred to the goodness of God as the glory of God. So I look at the glory of God, how magnificent He is. No shadow of turning. There's no darkness in Him. God is light. In Him there's no darkness at all. So I start to think, God, you're so beautiful. What's happening? My vision of the Lord is getting purified or clear when I'm spending time with Him. And that's the greatest thing that could ever happen to a person. You start to see Him as He really is. Secondly, when it comes to your vision being clearer... It's your vision of destiny and calling gets clearer. I think Alicia had a word for it and, my, and Brendan prayed about vision and calling. And so you start to see what God has for you. And you, you realize, see, our flesh doesn't like what God has for us because, again, our flesh is weak. But our spirit loves what God has for us. Our spirit is willing. Our spirit wants God. Our flesh is weak. And so when you trust God, you realize God's purpose, God's calling is the best life I could ever live. It really is. The purposes of God and the calling of God on your life is the best life you could ever live. But why do we hold back? Why are we not willing to pay the price for that life? Because when we don't spend time with God, we don't see it clearly. And so when you're spending time with God, you will see the purposes of God. The calling of God becomes clear. Uh, Matthew 13, Jesus is trying to explain about the kingdom. And he says, the kingdom is like finding a great pearl of great price. And when he found it, he goes and sells everything he's got to get that land. Because the pearl of great price is so valuable, you're willing to sell everything to get it. And he's talking about the kingdom. So have you ever, saw, have you ever thought about the kingdom like that? That the kingdom of God is so good, the purposes of God, the calling of God. You cannot have the kingdom without the purpose and calling of God for your life. You can say, I have the kingdom, but I don't want the purpose of God. I don't want to serve him. I don't want, to, I don't want his plans for my life. No, you can't do that. It comes together, one package. So when, when you realize the kingdom is so good, God's kingdom is so good, if you saw how good it was, you would be willing to sell everything you've got. Everything you've got right now. Sell everything 
if that's what it took to get the kingdom. Thank God it's not what it takes because the kingdom is available. But it gives you a picture of paying a price. I'm willing to pay the price because the kingdom is so good. Does that make sense? <coughs> you and I are motivated this way because God made us this way. If you don't think the kingdom of God's the best thing for you, you won't pay a price for it. If you think, oh, I'll go for the kingdom. Now, when I, when, I think that, when I think of the kingdom of God's the best thing for me, it doesn't mean it won't come with suffering. It doesn't mean it won't come with hardship. But I know for eternity's sake and the glories that will be revealed and the eternal rewards in heaven, it is the best thing for my life. It's called trust. It's actually trusting God. I might be without now, but I'm going to receive great glory in heaven or rewards in heaven. All right. Number two, it pure, fasting purifies our hearts. Remember, it doesn't change God, but it changes you. And so what happens here when you fast, especially when you go on a longer fast because you're, you're just concentrating it. You're concentrating, focusing all your energy, all your time, all your effort, all your heart, all your emotions, all your thoughts, everything on the Lord. You're getting rid of distractions. This is what fasting and prayer is. And you're saying, God, for this time, I'm going to seek you. Think about Jesus for a moment. The son of the living God. God in the flesh. And he fasted for 40 days. Why would you have to fast? The Holy Spirit led him to fast. So he focused his time with God and he fasted. And we you know the story, he went into the wilderness being led of the Spirit and full of the Spirit, but he came back with the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus did it as the Son of God. It's amazing to think, Lord, why did you do it? When I think of Jesus, who, him who doesn't, know, doesn't need to pray, prayed so much. Jesus is the Son of God in union, in oneness. But he prays all the time. Spend time with the Father. How much more us who need to pray so much? We pray so little. So we really need to, if, you, if, if, you're, if this is going over your head, you know, Leo, I'd hardly, I'd hardly pray for five minutes. Change your mindset. You were created to pray always. Paul says, praying always with prayer and supplication. Just praying. Like, it's always, it's always, it's, he's there with you everywhere you go. Prayer is a lifestyle. You're at work, you talk to the Father. You're at work, you talk to Him. You know, you, you, you go for exercise, you're still fellowshipping with Him. You're talking with Him. So don't see it as a religious thing, religious duty. If you, this is a problem with religion. We'll get up in the morning, I'm going to pray for one hour. Pray, 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 pray. I'm turning, I've been up to God, praying, pray, pray. Then I finish praying, see Lord, thank you God. And then I don't talk Him, don't talk to Him throughout the whole day. That's religion. I don't talk to Him the whole day, but I pray for an hour. Does that make sense? <clears throat> okay. Purifying our hearts. In this process of weakening our flesh by not feeding our flesh, it's always the same process. You're feeding your spirit with the Word of God. You're feeding your spirit with worship and prayer and praying in tongues. You're feeding, you're spending time with God. You're communing with Him. You're opening up to Him. You're talking with Him. In this process, your flesh gets weaker. The revelation of God's Word starts to convict your heart. Like I said, light comes in. Darkness starts to get exposed. And this, I would call this, purifying our hearts, I call it repentance. A spirit of repentance starts to hit you. <coughs> Excuse me. When I went on one of, the, one of a, a long fast, I remember my heart started to cry out to God and I, my, I started to feel broken. And I start, sometimes God would show me even, how, and I would see, and not out of guilt or shame, but I would see, Lord, I've idolized you. See, that, that breaks my heart when I think of how good he is, how beautiful he is, 
how pure he is. He's got eyes like dove eyes, Song of Solomon. How pure and beautiful. I think of the Lord's love is so innocent and just forthcoming and transparent. Wants to pour his heart out to me, yet I've idolized him for my benefit. That's what, I, that's what idolizing means. I've used him for my benefit. That's okay because we've, we've all done it. Every single one of the, every single person on the planet has done it. That's why we needed Jesus to die on the cross for us. <coughs> so I don't feel bad about it. I just say, yes, Lord, show me how not to do that. Show me how to be motivated out of love. The Bible says we abide in him. He abides in us in John 15. I think, but Lord, why is it that sometimes I'm really, really close to you? Why is it sometimes I feel like I turn you off? I turn you off. Think about that. Create, the created one turns the creator off anytime he wants to because it's not convenient for me. Okay, I don't need you now. I turn you off. Then I'll do something else. But now I need you and I turn you on. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not talking about guilt. I'm just saying conviction. I'd, I'd rather know where my heart is because it starts to get purified. Ultimately, <coughs> there's, there's some good motives to fast. People fast for power. People fast for healing. People fast for deliverance. People fast for breakthroughs. They're all good motives and okay. But I think the greatest purpose to fast is to get close to the Lord. Because all those other things will come. That's why I found found the Lord saying to me, Leo, the number one reason we should fast is to draw near to me. And when you get that motive, all these other things, the deliverance, the power, the miracles, you'll be surprised even within great men of God, um, you hear the language that we fast for power. We, par- we fast for success. We fast so the ministry can grow. We fast so the church can grow. But sh- we should be fasting to draw close to Him. And when we draw close to Him, all those things are the fruits of someone that is drawn close to the Lord. Please, I hope you're not hearing this as heavy. I'm just being open and, and open at my heart of this is what God wants to do in our lives. Purify us. And, and the spirit of repentance is beautiful. The other thing that happens when you fast is it brings a holy brokenness. A holy brokenness. When you fast, the same process happens. It weakens the flesh. It, it strengthens the spirit. The voice of the flesh, the desires of those flesh get weaker and weaker and, and, and to the point where it gets so minimized to the point it dies. It's no longer there. So all you're hearing is God. You're communing with God. And you... you you, you feel this, when I, when I think of holy brokenness, I wrote down some words for me to try to explain it. <clears throat> this experience is a total abandonment to him. This feeling of brokenness is not that something feels broken, but a total surrendered feeling that you know that you know some, that you are absolutely nothing without him. There's this, there's this surrendered feeling, an abandonment, where you know, Lord, I am absolutely nothing without you. So there's not, you don't feel broken. This holy brokenness that you are totally undone in his presence, knowing I am all yours and with you I am whole and without you I am broken. So that's, that's, that's how you feel. You feel, Lord, with you I'm completely whole, but without you I'm broken. That's holy brokenness. So like I can do nothing without you, but I can do all things with you. That's a broken place. It's beautiful to be broken because it, it gets rid of pride. When I say that, think about it. I can do nothing without you, but I can do all things with you. I am no one without you, but I'm your son. 
So I, I, you know, I said, I, I hold those truths in tension and I know that I'm, lo- I'm lost and undone and I'm, I'm broken without him, but I'm whole with him. It's a, complete, it's a surrendered feeling, but it's a beautiful thing. The brokenness is beautiful. I believe that's what opens you up to all the treasures of God. Because really, it's the, it's the doorway, so to speak, or the way into humility. And you know that humility is so important. That's the next point. It's um, the fasting humbles our soul. There are scriptures in the Bible that talks about humble yourself with prayer and fasting and so on. So something about fasting, it humbles you. Again, because you're choosing to weaken the flesh by not feeding it. You're doing, you're, you're doing without the most beautiful thing. And you're making a choice not to eat, not to, you know, enjoy food. Why? Because of your love for the Lord. And you're doing that out of wanting to draw close to Him. And so there's something that takes place. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. So who does the humbling? You humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. So we, we have to choose to do that. True humility is the way to exaltation. But if you try to exalt yourself, He'll humble you. That's what Jesus said, didn't he? He who exalts himself will be abased or humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. And, and um, it says, humility comes before honor in the book of Proverbs. There's something about a hum- humble heart. And again, fasting and prayer can bring you into that place that, that, that gets rid of pride, gets rid, rid of arrogance, can get rid of um, where you trust yourself. To me, pride is trusting yourself. One of the greatest scriptures I've ever found in the Bible is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about humility. For me, it just broke open something many, many years ago. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. If you believe this, it'll do the same for you. So you, you can read this scripture and it means nothing to you. Or you can read it and actually believe it. I'm about to read it to you. Verse 7. All right. Where are we? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. <clears throat> For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Think about that. What do you have that you did not receive? You know where pride comes from? When you think what you have, you received it because of your benefit or because of your goodness, or because you did this. I thought about that. I thought, what do I have that I did not receive? So everything I've got, I've received. Everything. Revelation, every revelation you have of the Lord, your level of maturity, you received it from someone. I thought about that. I think, when I, when it was many, many years ago, I thought, yeah, I've read some books, and E.W. Kenyon helped me a lot, and I read it and studied it, and, and uh, Bible courses, and well, I received that revelation. That wasn't my revelation. I received it. I started thinking about Kenneth Copeland and Hagen and other great men of God. And, and uh, I've received many men reading books, Charles Finney and Revival. And what am I doing? I'm reading. I'm getting revelation, but from somebody else. And I thought about the Bible. Well, I, I got revelation from the Bible. It's not my revelation. It's Paul's revelation. Paul wrote the letters. Peter wrote the letters. John wrote Gospels. So this is their revelation, and I'm reading it, and I'm getting revelation, and I'm receiving it from someone else. You following me? And same with when I, when I said to the Holy Spirit, I said to the Lord, what about when you reveal something to me? 
Exactly right. He reveals something direct to me. It's not mine. All of a sudden you realize it can never be puffed up. How can you be puffed up when you know it's not yours? It's all Him. You've got to believe it. If you actually believe it, you won't have room for pride. Pride comes into a person's spirit when you think you got what you got because of you. Your gifts, talents, abilities, whatever it is, because you worked for it, because you, you were hard disciplined and you did this and now that's what you've got. That's how pride comes in. And that's the very thing that made Lucifer fall from heaven. Lifted up his heart against God. So humility is such a powerful key. I, I really believe we need humility to win the war in these last days. I can't imagine someone full of pride winning spiritual warfare against the enemy because you're relying on yourself. So God's going to raise up a humble community. I remember reading a book from Rick Joyner about a vision of heaven and when they walked in, they had this cloak, it was a cloak of humility, but it was rags. And as they walked in, they were glowing to everybody else, but it looked like humility to him. Uh, it looked like just rags. But to everybody else in heaven, they're all seeing the glory. Because humility does that. So it does a number of things. It releases spiritual guidance. Because of power of focus, and you're spending time with God, and you're feeding your spirit, and you're, de- and you're denying your flesh, and your flesh gets weak because you're not feeding it. Again, you, you're getting the word in, you get, start to get focused. It's like God's always speaking, isn't he? God doesn't turn off and on. The radio station's always broadcasting. If I can't tune in and I'm not picking it up, I don't go call the radio station and go, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you broadcasting? It's usually they're broadcasting, but I don't have, I don't, my receiver's not tuned in. So what fasting and prayer does is it tunes in your receiver to the Lord. And what, what greater benefit than to be able to hear directly from God and get guidance directly from Him. It's a weapon. Spend time with Him. Number six, that it subdues the flesh. I've been talking about it a lot. But if you have problems with your flesh, again, the desires of your flesh lead you astray. There's a, lo- a number of scriptures that talk about Romans chapter 6, verse 19. For as you have yielded your members as servants to uncleanliness, that's before, and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now, it's talking about you yield your members servants to righteousness, unto holiness. It's saying to you, yield your body to righteousness. It's telling you to do it. So if you believe you can never live in holiness, then you never will. Did you know that? If you actually believe, oh, well, no one can live in holiness, oh, you know, we're all sinful and, you know, we're all but flesh, we're just human. So, so if you don't believe you can walk in holiness like Jesus did, you, it's impossible to attain it because it's a wrong mindset. You have to believe the truth to be able to walk in the truth. And so in the, in the NIV, some of you might know this, that the flesh was taken out. The word flesh means sarks in the, in the Greek. It just means meat, canne. Canne in Italian means meat. Right, that's what it means. It means the flesh part of us, the meat. But it was translated as sinful nature. So now we read it as, ah, we've got a sinful nature. No, you've, you had a sinful nature before you came to Christ. And when that, when that sinful nature, when you came to Christ, that sinful nature is in your spirit. That spirit man died, and now the Holy Spirit resurrected that spirit and made it alive to God. So now you have to renew your mind, don't you? Your spirit has got God in there, 
Your mind has to be renewed and your spirit and your mind working together tells your flesh what to do. So I believe your flesh has memory. It remembers sin feels good, but it doesn't have a sinful nature, the flesh. It's just, it might have been doing it for 20 years. It might have been doing it for 30 years. So it knows that feels good when you do that. Does it make sense so far? But your flesh is created to be subjected to a renewed mind and your spirit to be in control. Or else you never can attain holiness. And the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. How can God tell us to do something we can't live? True? Sometimes it's hard to swallow, but I'm giving you some meat. Because if you believe the wrong stuff, then you'll, you don't believe you can ever walk, walk in this. And I, I, from the beginning of I got saved, I remember saying to myself, Lord, even if I have to keep doing this until you come back, I'm going to keep getting up believing. Like if I sin, I get up believing. I'm going to, I can still be holy. I'm going to get up again, confess my sins to God, cleanse my sin of all unrighteousness because He said He would. And I'm going to keep walking believing I can be like Him. Amen? Well, there's a number of other things, but we've run out of time. It heightens your spiritual awareness in every area. You know why? Because you think less of yourself and you become more aware of others. Because your flesh is weak. The voice is quiet. You know, the insecurity is dead. You're not hearing. You're not thinking. What do people think of me? You don't care what people think of you when you're close to the Lord and you're fasting. Does that make sense? So, so you become more aware spiritually of where people are at and you can be helpful. You, I, f- I find in those times of my times that I fasted, I tap into wisdom that I've never been able to tap into. Uh, and I'm learning to say, Lord, how do I live in that lifestyle of that wisdom? Because it's available all the time. So I hope, I hope I've whet your appetite. It deepens communion with God. It clears our minds to hear God. Number 10, it brings supernatural refreshing. Oh, that's awesome. It brings supernatural refreshing. When you're in this realm and you're in God and you're fasting, you're seeking God, there's something that starts to happen. You start getting agitated. You start getting agitated with unbelief. You start getting agitated with yourself. Why have, been, why have I been in so much unbelief? Why haven't I believed for miracles? Why are we in unbelief? Like if, if that doesn't happen, you're not going to get in faith. Do you remember Jesus was annoyed because how long should I be with you? How long should I tarry with you? It's about the disciples. Because they didn't believe that God could set people, set a little child free. So there's something powerful about faith growing and you don't even know it's growing. It, it, it stirs up, it builds, faith is growing, faith is growing. You don't even realize it's happening. It's happening. So I hope I'm encouraging you to do as the Lord leads you. Start with one day, start with one meal. 21-day fast with fruit and veggies is actually pretty good because you can still operate. You can still go to work and you'll be surprised how much it helps. One of the last points, I don't want to bring it up earlier, was it cleanses your physical body. Fasting is a health benefit. And depending on how long you go, it, can, it ends up eating up any tissue, growths, cancerous cell tumors in your body. Once it's used up everything of everything that's in your body it's got nothing else to eat it eats up stuff that shouldn't be there and doctors have verified that they've seen tumors shrink because they went on a 30 day fast just it's a health benefit but that's not why we do it (laughs) we do it for the Lord amen so I encourage you this year seek him this January February um, 
do what the Lord puts on your heart. I'm keen to do a 21-day you know, fruit and veggie fast. I'm not going to like it, but I, like, I know the benefits. You know, I love meat. I love bread. I love meat, all sorts. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, we pray that your word will be established in us and that we were stirred this morning. We were fed this morning. We were encouraged in our faith. And Father, we make a decision. Lord, if we go away and do nothing, we're not changed. We're not transformed. But we make a decision to do something, to put this word into practice. Because Jesus, our Lord, said, when you fast. So help us to fast. Help us to, sh- to seek your face, to draw near to you. been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.